Good morning, and we do welcome you back to Alger Assembly of God. And it is still an energetic time of reflecting upon Tanzania. So in, in conversations uh, with some of you outside of church, conversations with family and other friends, conversations in our, our area ministers meeting this past week, Tanzania continues to keep coming up as, again, two and a half weeks of powerful time, the, the travel time, the ministry time, our strategy, our prayer, our worship, our discussion, uh, some of the, the fun time at the very end in our safari together, all of those memories, all of those still just kind of bouncing around and, and jumbling to the surface. Have you had situations like that? You, you had a trip, you had a vacation, you had just something that was, that was powerful, that was life-changing, that was meaningful, and, and it was something you just continued to reflect on. And so not a day goes by that these kinds of thoughts and, and memories and imagery and, and uh, pictures, photos, videos of our time spent there continues to, to just play Sometimes in, in the forefront of the mind, sometimes it's in the, the background. And so as I came back from Tanzania that very first week, uh, it ended up being, I felt like kind of the missionary with the slideshow, right? Except I didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a slide projector. We, we used the overhead and our, our video uh, screen there. And so that first week, I, I initially, as I mentioned, I thought I was just going to share it all. We, we'd have been there pretty much all day, I think, if I was going to share it all that day. And so that first Sunday, we shared, and, and uh, I shared basically the overall aspect, the overview of what did we do? What did this trip look like? And we shared a little bit of the overview of the travel, the ministry, our prayers and strategy sessions, ending with the safari and travel back. And, uh, and, and I went over time, and there was just so much to share, and that's just about the what happened. Last week, then, I had, oh, I had some great intentions I was getting ready, because certainly everybody has been asking and saying, okay, so now what? What did God speak to your heart? What, what, what has God been kind of challenging you with, or, you know, you personally, or for us as a church, or for us as, as a, a state, for a, the district here in Ohio? What are some of the things that we can look forward to? And so my thought was, okay, we're going to smash all that together in one Sunday. Well, that didn't happen last week either. I got about halfway through, still went over time, so no promises now. <laughs> But the goal today is to kind of conclude and wrap up our Tanzania takeaways. These are some thoughts. Uh, basically, there, there's a lot of things that, that God was speaking to me personally, uh, either for me, for us as a church, for, for us as a network, as a uh, state of Ohio. And so these are just some, some different things that I have personally been sharing Certainly as a whole, we are sorting through and working through and talking through all of uh, our discussion that we had from Tanzania as to what those next steps would look like for us as a state. But these are some personal reflections. And so today, uh, what we'll start with is we'll just kind of get you caught up to speed. If you were here last week, you heard these first uh, segments. If you weren't, uh, we'll, we'll kind of go through them a little quickly, and then we'll finish up with our Tanzania takeaways. So let's start. This was part one. This was from last week, and we'll take a look at a few of the things that we started with and talked about last week. 
In a sense, one of the things that we'd heard from the word of the Lord this morning, our, our tongues, our interpretation of tongues about bringing our needs to him and, and uh, you know, trusting him, we can take it to him. That was some of the, the very first thing that I shared last week was to trust God. Some of the, the stories that I told you about were just that aspect of trusting God in the finances of preparing for the trip, and that in the end, uh, even more finances that were, uh, then were needed were raised, and uh, you were an incredible part of that as God used you to give uh, incredibly uh, many other individuals and some churches and families and, and friends uh, were able to give, and we were able to raise the necessary monies for the trip as well as to have some extra to be able to go towards other people who did, uh, were still looking to raise money. So trust God. It's one of those things we hear, we know as a, as a preacher I've preached, and God vividly illustrated that to me. So trust God was our first thought. Second, what we looked at last week was to become a lifelong student of God's Word. And this was a very, very common sight here, was everybody heads down, Bibles open, notebooks open, pens and pencils out as they were taking notes. Now, certainly, I mentioned how their superintendent, Dr. Barnabas Mtokambali, he was with us at our session uh, for the very uh, last day, and he preached and, and shared a dynamic word, and, and their heads uh, were, you know, they were writing down notes fast and furious. But even when it was those four guys, the four of us from Ohio, they were ready. They were learning. And so the encouragement is, let us become lifelong students of God's Word. We encourage you to get into some Bible reading guides, to get into daily devotionals. There's a, a lot of ways for you and I to grow in the Word of God. And so that was our second thought. You can see the next photo is a picture of some of the sermon notes, and this is in Swahili. So if you know Swahili, you can interpret it. Uh, pretty much the only word that I can make out is mungu, which is God. So mungu is in there a lot in my sermon notes. So uh, that is uh, the interpretive word there in Swahili for God, uh, but that was a, a second thought. Next, what we saw last week, pray and fast passionately. Now, I, I know that we typically do pray, and I know that in many cases, maybe we would fast. Uh, maybe it's a meal here or there or a day here or there, uh, but this was definitely more woven into the fabric and context of their day, their week, their month, and their year. This was not just a, like a one-time shot once a year to fast. It was a, a regular time of seeking God. Their prayer time, we showed uh, the video of just a kind of a, a spontaneous prayer time in the midst of one of the, the services. And it was dynamic. And I, I mentioned that the, the dynamics of that video was tame in comparison to what was actually called the prayer meeting. We had that hour and a half to two hours of intense, dynamic, every person in the room intensely, passionately praying for the entire time. It blew me away anything that I had ever seen or experienced here in the United States. So the challenge for me personally, a challenge I think for us as a church, the challenge for us in the state of Ohio is to pray and to fast passionately. We, we talked about that last week. Increase the emphasis on the Holy Spirit. What we saw was that there was a, a dynamic means of seeking. 
Certainly the strength and the power and the wisdom and the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And one of the statistics that they knew, which they were very good in in accumulating and finding the statistics about their churches and their church bodies, they were able to determine that 90% of their church members across the Assemblies of God in Tanzania were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is dynamic. It's not just that people are attending church. It's not just that people have been saved. It's not just that people are praying. It's not just that they're in the Word of God. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. 90%. And when you have that many people, that high of a concentration of people baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying passionately, fasting passionately in God's Word, boy, there is just a strength and a dynamic that is incredible. So we talked about that last week, increasing the emphasis of the Holy Spirit, developing a habit of generosity. Uh, One of the uh, stories that I was sharing with you, next slide, is... uh, Dr. Barnabas there is on the right, uh, Dr. Kameme in the middle, and then, of course, John Wooten, our superintendent, there on the left. And I mentioned uh, this at the very last day, the presentation of these gifts uh, to John Wooten, and it was uh, uh, the runga, which is the stick, the shuka, which is the gown, and uh, then they had one for each and every one of us, and then the next slide, they would outfit us all uh, by dressing us in this gown. That was uh, the basically the... Maasai tribe. This was kind of almost the introduction into being a part of this tribe. Uh, There are 155 tribes in Tanzania. And so the shuka uh, was what they would wear. The runga was was that stick of protection. And uh, then this is all of us. They have one for all 44 of us. And so this is our entire team uh, where they, they took the group shot But that habit of generosity, it was not just about the meals, although they they fed us and and they did their very best for us. It's not just about the gifts. What we saw and shared last week, this habit of generosity extended to their giving. And so in the offering time, I was uh, sharing about the very first night where I preached the evening and the others were uh, out touring some of the other churches and facilities. The offering came around. Every single person was walking up to put something in the offering. And I had not brought my wallet with me. That was, that was back in the hotel. If I turned to the interpreter, I said, hey, I don't have any money with me. And he, he reached into his pocket, pulled out something and gave to me. And then we both went up and dropped in the offering. We saw that though they did not have a whole lot, they had a heart and a habit of giving, of being generous one with another, and certainly generous in their giving to the Lord. And so we were challenged with that last week. All right, then we continue. One of the last couple here was to live content. What we saw was that they don't have a whole lot. On the left uh, was be one of the uh, churches more in the bush, and, and you can see very, very simple surroundings, what looks like tarps for walls, uh, dirt floor, and then you see some large rocks with planks of wood across them, and those are their pews in that particular church. Uh, there was not... Any church that that I saw photos of that would be anything similar to what we have here in Alger. Not that there aren't any, uh, but certainly in in the places that we went, uh, there wasn't any that was uh, very 
very similar to this. On the right, uh, that, that small, uh, simple home is uh, one of the pastor's homes in one of these churches. A very, now, this one is made up of a few bricks, but you see one little window, one little doorway, and a dog out front. They do not have a lot, and yet there was this contentment of serving and seeking after the Lord. Next few uh, slides showed some of the, uh, the children and some of the uh, uh, kids that were in the area. That one on the left, as I was mentioning last week, one of the, the favorite little boys, and pretty much with him, as with almost everyone that we saw, uh, they wore the same clothes each and every day. So he was wearing a blue Batman shirt. Uh, he had that colorful shawl. Uh, this was the, the last day that we were there. It was wrapped around his head. Uh, the next slide shows earlier in the week, it's wrapped around his neck and uh, some of the other boys that were there as well. What they knew in this area, in this community, they simply were seeking God, trusting God, and it was not as much about stuff. Live content. So that was last week, and uh, that's just a kind of a quick uh, head through. So the, the ones from last week, I would say if we were to, to kind of categorize them, they were maybe a little bit more in the area of some, some personal thoughts, whereas the ones for today might be a little bit more either church-wide or statewide, a little bit more um, community-based. And so, first of all, as we share this morning, I think for, for us as a church, for us as a state, one of the things that we took away was this, to create and communicate a clear vision. It was exciting to see in Tanzania, Dr. Barnabas Mtokambali, his leadership team, and they had what was a very similar uh, and very simple and easy to understand phrase. It was simply Tanzania for Jesus. Now, the basics of that were broken down. They had seven main points that, that they were seeking to follow, and, and some of those things would include the number of churches they were wanting to plant and, and the number of leaders and pastors they were wanting to raise up and the number of uh, salvations that they were wanting to see. But they had you know, broken down into some very easily understandable chunks. And each of those could be further broken down and further broken down. But there was... Go ahead to the next slide, please. There we go. The clear vision was out there. And so everywhere that we went, uh, the different pastors, the different parts of Tanzania, there were the 40-plus of us divided into groups of four in 10 different areas, 10 different districts of Tanzania, and yet each and every single one of them understood and knew what this vision for the nation as a whole was. It wasn't just created by an individual. Certainly there was a, a group of individuals. It was approved and, and it went through this process, but then it was communicated and it continued to be communicated. And we're going to be seeing some of that throughout our state here in the coming months as what our state and our, our leaders going together and seeing what does God have for Ohio, and then that thought is going to be communicated clearly throughout our state and into our churches, create and communicate a clear vision. But next, what ties into that, the, the second thought for today is this, live and walk in unity. 
It wasn't just that there was this vision. It wasn't just that there was a thought that maybe a handful of leaders or a team of leaders had or that originated in some of the hearts and minds of of one person or several people. As this vision and this direction went forward and as more and more people heard about it and approved it and got on board, we saw in every aspect, every area of the nation, People were understanding, not just knowing what it was, but unitedly walking in the vision. And mentioning some of the things from last week, but one of the individuals who worked in the pool at at one of the places where we stayed, the 24-year-old who had overseen the prayer ministry for 12 years since he was a 12-year-old, he rattled off and shared every part of the vision And then got into detail as it related to children's ministry. This was not a pastor. This was not the the leader. This was not the bishop, the presbyter. This was not one of the, the national office leaders. This was someone in the church who heard that, that message, that vision, that direction had internalized it, and they were all walking together in unity to accomplish what God had called them to do. You see... Earlier, we talked about trusting in God. That's ultimately how they were able to do it. When it comes to resources, they didn't have a ton of resources, but they trusted God and they walked together in unity. It was refreshing to see that this unity, as we were worshiping in the, in the churches there, two to 250 uh, ministers and some spouses It was very difficult. You didn't know necessarily who was who. You simply knew they were all pastors and leaders. There was a unity there. Uh, We didn't didn't see in a group that size, we didn't see these little cliques and segments. They stood together, worshiped together, ate together, fellowshiped together. There was incredible unity because they knew what God had called them to do. It was a vision that was bigger than their resources, bigger than what what they probably felt they could do on their own, and so they had to trust, had to depend upon God. So there was a vision. It was clearly communicated. They were walking in unity. And as they did so, in the midst of their unity, what we also saw all around the nation was a culture of honor, a culture of honor. And it was interesting. And uh, in some of these pictures, you may or may not see clearly, on the left-hand side is the doorway, and it's, it's got a handwritten sign on, on a piece of paper. It was taped to the door, and it said, VIP, guests only. And what was behind the door is what's on the right, which is the Eastern-style bathroom. It's Basically, that hole in the floor, the bucket of water on the one side, and the toilet paper on the other. In the midst of all that they had, they were so careful to create a special spot. This, go back, this was the only space that they were reserving for us as ministry guests. In fact, I think they might have had somebody out there almost standing guard to make sure that nobody was using that except for us. And what we could see, there, there were some other facilities 
that were in that same building and, and nearby, which much like we would probably have uh, where you have uh, larger restrooms with, with multiple, we would have stalls. I'm assuming that they might have just had multiple holes. But their heart was to bless in the area of ministry and bless those that were coming in as, as leaders, bless those that were coming in in this culture of honor. Next, in the culture of honor, as soon as we showed up, all of their leaders gathered outside. We, we were introduced to them. We shook their hands. But each and every time we arrived and we would step out of the vehicle, there was somebody there, and anything that was in our hands, they would not let us carry. So every single time I came, I, I had a, a mini backpack had my Bible, had my notebook, had my iPad that I preached from, uh, stretch the giraffe that I had pictures with, um, just all different kinds of things. I had a camera in there, charger in there, so a bunch of different things. And I mean, as soon as we got out of the vehicle, there was somebody there that was saying, let me take that for you. And, and you feel really weird following behind people who are so willingly wanting to carry your backpacker, carry your Bible. I mean, these were different days, so I, I had my, my phone on me, and so these are pictures I, you know, I'm kind of, your, your heart is touched with just their, their heart of humility, their heart of service, this culture of honor, and so I, here were a handful of times that I would snap photos. The one on the right is one of our interpreters, one of the pastors, one of the leaders in that particular area. And it, it, it didn't matter whether uh, who the individual was. It, it, it was pastors who were there. It was individuals who, uh, uh, spouses who were there, individuals that helped with our meals who were there, different people. It didn't matter. As soon as we got there, they would grab it and lead us into the sanctuary. When it came time for, for chai break time, and we were to go from that sanctuary to the room. And we, we were kind of told to always keep everything with you. And we had our, our passport in the bag. And so I'd always take my bag. And, oh, you know, we'd get to the doorway of the sanctuary. Boom, there's somebody there again. Now, the process here is not to say the culture of honor, which means just do all kinds of little things for leaders. The idea was this. There was, there was such a heart of unity, such a heart of wanting to see what God was going to do that they were following the leaders and desiring to follow through and work together to see God's vision come to pass. So it, it's not about saying, oh, there's got to be perks. What they're saying is they were so buying into the vision, they were wanting to show this honor this respect for those who were guiding and directing them in that. It, it was pretty incredible. Next, some of the things that we displayed, we observed the mentality of multiplication. And so coming back, the idea is how do we model that, this mentality of multiplication? So these are four different churches, four different kind of concepts. See the upper left is one of the larger ones, I believe a little bit more of a, a church planting school, so a larger facility. 
Uh, the other three are a little bit more primitive, a little bit more in the bush churches. And so they identify, and they, they took a look at Tanzania, and they found 40,000 cities or towns or villages without a church. Now, some of those, when you're talking about villages, those are some pretty small places, 40,000. So their goal was to plant 10,000 churches in 10 years. Now, this, this mentality of planting or multiplying, it's, it's foreign to us because we think, you know, when we, when we plant a church, it's, it's got to be a big church. It's got to be a church that has a lot of money. It's got to be a church that has a lot of people. And then and only then, maybe you can plant another church. What we saw, this mentality of multiplication is very simply this. And it's surprisingly like the Great Commission. Jesus said to, to go into all the world, right, and, and preach the gospel and make disciples and baptize them and teach and equip. And, and so they believe if there are healthy churches, healthy things reproduce. So healthy churches will plant, but it's not just about churches. Healthy pastors will, will be able to raise up and develop other leaders. But it's not just about churches and about pastors or leaders. It's about the congregation. Each and every individual as a part of the congregation is to reach someone for Christ and develop and multiply in the kingdom. Churches multiplying and planting churches. Pastors multiplying and raising up leaders. People multiplying and building the body of Christ. Some of the interesting things in, in some of these uh, more remote and bush churches, their, their thought or habit many times is to raise the funds to purchase about a quarter acre property. Quarter acre, not real large. Quarter of an acre, enough to put a little building on. And in many cases, a quarter of an acre in, in the bush, a quarter of an acre in some of these small little remote places would be about $60. We look at that and think, oh, boy, $60. Well, you could plant a whole bunch of churches. $60 in our mindset versus $60 in their mindset is huge. It'd be like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars for us to try to raise. But they would, they would raise the money, buy this little plot of ground, and then begin to put some kind of structure up. They don't go into huge building programs. They simply build what they can. So they, they have a little funds. They can buy this little piece of property and, and put some walls and a roof up. And that's as far as they get for now. Then they stop. Some of them, uh, you know, some of the little spaces for windows, they're, they're kind of blocked or bricked because they haven't gotten the funds yet to replace those and, and to put some windows in. Three different models and types of churches, but the goal was they were to multiply. And it's, it's refreshing because it's biblical. They weren't out just to have church. Now, they had fun when they had church. It was energetic, and it was lively, and we've got some of those videos as well in and, and some of the worship times. But it wasn't just about celebrating. It wasn't just about seeing other people. They were on a mission to reach people 
and build up the body, build up the kingdom of God. And so there's this mentality that says, what can we do? How can we multiply? As a church, and there were some of of various sizes, even in in one of the, the meetings that they had together in the business sessions, it was very open and honest accountability. They were, they were trying to follow up with their areas and their sections and, and their churches to, to see, you know, we're supposed to be planting this, this number of churches and, and how come you were not able to do that? And they called one pastor up and he kind of began to share, well, we don't have too many people, we don't have very many funds, and we've just got this, we've just got that. This pastor said over the course of the year, we, we had about a, $1,000 U.S. dollars that came in. That was their whole budget for the entire year and said, you know, we just didn't have the funds, didn't have the people to plant a church. So they called up another pastor. They called him up and asked what his budget was and it was right about $1,000 or less. They said, well, how many churches did you plant? He said, seven. It was, it was saying, we are so serious about the Great Commission, we're going to do what we can to multiply to plant churches, to raise leaders, people reaching people for Christ. So it was exciting, it was refreshing, it was challenging because they weren't just about playing church. It wasn't just about coming and saying, okay, what can you do for me? It was, what can we do for the Lord? And we've got a a big challenge ahead of us, they said just as we do in our area and in our state to reach people for Christ. A couple closing thoughts. The next ones is don't travel alone. Refuse to travel alone. These are my buddies, Rick Shear on the right, and there's Stretch on the left. Stretch the giraffe. I was never alone. But it was one of the thoughts from uh, Dr. Barnabas and our first session together, our first day to, together on that prayer and strategy week. And it's a quote that I've heard, maybe you've heard before, but it really struck me that day. He said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, bring someone with you. And I think many times... Certainly in, a, in America, in our churches, what we see is that there's a lot of things being done, a lot of ministry being done, but many times it's individuals on their own. Who else are we bringing with us? And so it goes hand in hand then with the next one, which is our, our final thought this morning, and that is to release ministry. Release ministry. For what we see and what we'd heard, again, the statistics that they had were incredible. 90% of their people baptized in the Holy Spirit. One of the other statistics that we heard was that 85% of the ministry, 85% of the work done was done by lay people, non-ministers, non-pastors. I think the, the challenge for us Honestly, a a challenge for me in that area is this. For a couple of reasons. Number one, certainly many of us as pastors, you just get used to doing stuff. It needs to be done. Someone needs to do it. I'll do it. So 
coming to Alger and, and coming with some great energy and vision. I come and say, well, let's, let's do this, let's do this, and I can help in this area, and I can help in this. And sometimes it's, it's uh, experiences that I've had or skills that I've had or interests that I've had. And so begin to start putting on hat after hat after hat, right? And continuing on in ministry, sometimes other things fall by the wayside or so to try to help out. Maybe I'll pick that up and I'll put that hat on too. So what I see is that in many cases, a lot of it is a me issue. Picking up and putting on hat after hat after hat. I won't bore you with all the many different hats that I do wear. But many I have intentionally. But some of it also is the other issue is there are people who probably could help out who sometimes don't. It's got to be both. On my hand, on my part, it's got to be me being able to bring somebody along, me being able to release the ministry to say there's more work to be done and allow others to continue in the ministry, as well as others who say, I'm ready to be counted. I'm ready to be used of God. I'm ready to step up and take part in what I can. Very honestly, there are challenges in areas and seasons of ministry. And part of what I've seen these last several years, some of the opportunities that have been afforded, being voted in as assistant presbyter and then being voted in as presbyter, and now we're, we're coming as, as presbyters and leaders, and, and we're, we're a part of this Tanzania trip, and what we're seeing is we don't know all of how it's going to shake out, but very likely what that means is more and more responsibilities for us in leadership, which adds more to what's already been added on, which is more. So a lot of this is for me to say, how do I do a better job at releasing some things, releasing ministry, Allowing others to take part and to do certain things in ministry that maybe I've had a hand in doing quite a bit. Because what we see is many times uh, leadership would, would seek to do the things that leadership is able to do and train up and release and allow the church to be the church. Ephesians chapter 4 says he gave some to be pastors and evangelists and, and uh, uh, Prophets and teachers and all of those gifts till the body of Christ is built up to train and to release into ministry. And we saw a lot of that. There were ministers who were really focused on what God had called them to do and they were, they were following through hard in ministry while at the same time developing others, releasing ministry to others and seeing so much be accomplished for the Lord. So these are some of the, the top things that were impressed upon me, some of the things that we've talked about in some of our leadership sessions. Certainly as we move forward, I think there, it's not that this will be the end of, of hearing about some of the thoughts from Tanzania, but at least from, from my perspective, this kind of caps some of those thoughts as, as we spent these three weeks, and certainly more and more will, will bubble out. But this is, this is, while it's still fresh, this is that overview. These are those takeaways, and these are some of the things, some of the direction of, of where we're headed, where I think I need to be headed, where I think we ought to be headed, and certainly some of where we might be headed as a district 
to be more effective in reaching people for Christ.